Betty Botter bought some butter, but she said the butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. But a bit of better butter will make my bitter batter better. So she bought some better butter, better than her bitter butter. Put it in her bitter batter, made her bitter batter better. So it was better Betty Botter bought some better butter. Oh, I'm not joking. That was literally the first recording I did that on Audacity. I practiced it for about 10 minutes before I opened this up. But that was literally number one, so I'm just going to go with it, folks. I'm just going to go with that one. How are we doing today? It's episode nine. It's your boy, Hopsy, and I'm always happy to be doing this. I actually look forward to it. It's Sunday, just after noon here on September the 13th, 2020, and I'm, uh, again, happy to be here with you. I'm hoping to have this episode out by tonight on Sunday night, which was the designated release date for all new episodes. And um, I've already missed that a couple times. But last week was a huge milestone for myself. Um, in roughly about 50 episodes of podcasts I've been a part of, um, this was the first one, episode eight, uh, that was totally edited, uh, published, produced by me. I had no help. And so that's a huge uh, step for myself. Took me a while to get up there. So maybe this will help me uh, make my show better on my own, you know, just keep going with it here. Cause folks, I can't stress enough other than, um, some great help by my good friend, Matt Donnelly over there in Halifax, former teammate of mine, helping me with some editing, getting my, um, you know, up on iTunes and Spotify and stuff like that. I've been kind of just going with this alone, you know, just kind of going for it. And, um, I've, I've been having a good time and, um, you know, I'm getting some downloads, getting some reviews, some ratings. So I really appreciate that. And, um, I hope that we can continue, continue, on this journey together. All right, folks, we got an absolute big week up today. Um, lots going on. Uh, the world's currently on fire. Um, the entire western side of the United States is uh, ablaze, unfortunately. And um, what's really unfortunate is, you know, there were fires already going, but um, a majority of the big blazes that are currently running rampant through the western United States, making their way closer and closer to Canada every day, probably in Canada already, was started by a firework on a rye in a gender reveal party. So fuck that. Um, I hate those things to begin with. Like if you just don't do them, they're, uh, they're obnoxious. No one gives a fuck. Like I honestly, like a gender reveal party is like get, get, getting your dog an Instagram. Just don't do it. If you do it, fuck off. I mean, I God let my sister just got a dog. She made a golden retriever Instagram. Do I follow a page for my nephew, the dog? No, I don't. Because I don't condone that kind of activity. And my family will not get a free pass in an instance like this due to their misbehavior. I won't fucking be a part of it. All right? Okay. So that's enough we're going to say about that. It's definitely scary, though, the fires. I mean, <clears throat> climate change, I'm sure, hasn't helped these from stopping spreading. I mean, is there even water in California anymore? Or do they order it? Or do they just drink bottled water down there? That place is a zoo, man. And they pay, like, 14% state taxes or something like that. Like, to go towards what? Like villages of people living amongst LA and fires blazing up and down like the, the shorelines. It's crazy down there. The US is a scary place right now. And God, I just, you know, I hope it's, you know, we got Donald Trump tweeting out purge videos. I don't know if you saw, he tweeted out this video the other day and it was just literally like a highlight reel of like protests and stuff like that, obviously. But it was, it was kind of scary, you know, coming from the president of the United States down south there. But, you know, I don't like to talk about that because that's all people talk about. And all people do on Facebook these days is share clippings of tweets from, they've got on Twitter and they post that as a screenshot on Facebook. And they highlight that like it's scholarly evidence towards their views politically and socially on Facebook. Facebook is a fucking cesspool. 
It's disgusting. And the problem is it's half the people are my age. Like I see kids I went to high school with and their behavior online is absolutely ludicrous. Like people think that you have to be speaking on all these issues at all time. Like what's the saying? What's the saying in, is uh, black is no, I don't know if it's Black Lives Matter, but the saying everyone's going is, is silence is violence. That's not the case. That's the problem with today. You know, everyone loves social media so much, and I do too. I'm guilty. We all love it. But the problem, that, the thing that social media was so immediately attractive to human beings is because it all gave us a voice. It all gave us a reason to be heard. Like we had a way to portray our messages to them to essentially the masses, not necessarily it's going to get there, but you have the ability to put your thought out there. But the problem was not everyone was meant to have a fucking voice. Many of us were not meant to speak ever, certainly not allowed to put our ideas out there. And now you can do it behind the, the keyboard where you used to probably get punched in the face. I mean, people got to get hit more, I think. And they definitely, they definitely do. Like if you're going to get hit, you're not going to do stupid stuff, but you can do a lot of stupid stuff behind your keyboard. And it's sad, man. I find like social media is scary right now. I think we're all going a little nuts. We're all going really nuts, honestly, especially with this quarantine business. We're all cooped up a little bit more. I notice it myself. I feel like I'm on my phone more than I've ever been in my life. And it's sickening. And I find like it's starting to like, you know, sometimes you, when you're on your phone too much, you, you feel zapped. Like you feel like you're a little loopy. And we don't know the long-term effects of all this garbage. And I'm not talking about, you know, anything that we don't already know. But, I mean, it's starting to kind of, you know, make me think. Um, you see so many of these kids, like, like so much parenting, I feel like, in 2020 is handing your kid an iPad and um, just, you know, distracting them, really. Like, I, I noticed um, the other day I was out and I see these kids out in public and they're with their parents and they're in the stroller but both kids have an iPad and like they're totally just engulfed right into the iPad. Like they're standing in line for a store. So I mean like, you know, what are they supposed to be doing? But I think there's an emphasis on learning how to be bored. I remember my mom always used to say this to me. I'd be like, I'm bored. And she's like, well, it's good that you know what being bored is. You know, sometimes being bored is not a bad thing. And she used to always say that to me. I never understood what she meant, but like seeing now, like how many kids are like, they just have no ability to be content and they don't have the ability not to be distracted by an iPad or a tablet or having something in their hands. And I mean, that goes for, you know, adults too, teenagers too. Like we're all pretty engulfed and like it is getting scary. It's not something that no one's talked about. It's not something no one's thought about, but I mean, it's only getting worse. I feel like for myself, I got a cell phone when I was probably 13 years old. So that's like already 12 years ago. No, that's almost I don't, yeah, well, I'm 26 now. So like that's 13 years ago, 14 years ago almost. And it's just become part of our lives now. And, but it's scary. Like, so when I got them at that age, like that, you know, cell phones weren't that crazy. I had a Motorola Crazer, the, the, the Chrome one, so hot, man. I would just, the flip phone, I would open it and receive a call. I didn't even have yet. I just wanted to show the shine of the phone, let everyone know that I had one and I'm taking calls. I got full load of the minutes on that thing monthly text message me it'll take me a while to get it back because you, back then you remember you used to have to like hammer on the a key until you get to the last letter and do that for every syllable you said so it'd take a while to have a good conversation online you know there was, there was some respect to the online conversations then but now you know 
It's just, it's just run rampant. Two-thirds of parents in the U.S. say parenting is harder today than it was 20 years ago, with many citing technologies like social media or smartphones as a reason. No shit. 71% of parents say a child under the age of 12, they are least, for 71% of parents with ch children under the age of 12, say that uh, they're somewhat concerned that their child might be receiving too much time in front of screens. No shit. No shit. I mean, this is probably a problem when we were kids, but... Um, YouTube has emerged as a key platform for both younger and older kids. 89% uh, of parents say that children 5 to 11 watch YouTube videos every day. And 81% of those who have a child that are 3 to 4 say that they're also watching YouTube videos every day. Who's letting their child at 3 to 4 watch YouTube every day? I mean, there's probably a lot of kids shows and bullshit you can put on there. I mean, I'm not a young parent. I don't know the savvy tech right now around that. but. I mean that seems that seems a little that seems a little wild to me. Um, it's it's scary though, folks. I mean, it says also here, sixty eight percent of parents say that at least sometimes they feel distracted by their phone when they are spending time with their children, with their children, folks. It's going to be interesting to see the internet. You know, before I feel like. Um, all of us '90s kids, and you know, a little older than that, all going back. I feel like the TV was our parent in ways. And now a lot of these younger kids, these younger generations, it's going to be the internet, which is fucking terrifying. I mean, don't tell me there's not some wild stuff up there that kids can't even talk yet, but they can run iPads up the wazoo. It's scary. So, I mean, these kids, like we grew up, I grew up with technology. I feel like I'm not at all tech savvy, but like I know how to use um, computer. I know how to troubleshoot things like better than definitely people my parents age know, but these kids are going to be absolute wizards on the uh on the phones on the ipads the things they're gonna be able to do like you look at tiktok like i don't like i watch tiktok i don't even understand how this shit's going on i mean these kids are so advanced with this stuff and you know they're, they're spending a fucking lot of time effing around on it you know doing all that shit so i mean when i was younger like i got facebook when i was 12 years old i remember and i had some other social media here and there but probably got twitter near the end of high school and you know, now I've slowly gotten to get Instagram, TikTok, and all that other stuff. But for a young kid, like, you have, you know, you have, I don't know if they all, I don't think that kids use, if you're under 21, like, you, you probably don't even use Facebook anymore. A lot of those kids wouldn't even have it, I bet. But you probably have multiple social media platforms, and it's taken up a lot of your time. Like, these kids, like you do, they're not playing outdoors as much. I don't see kids buzzing around very much. I feel like there's definitely more kids around. They're definitely, and you can't ignore the fact that they're, you know, they're not inside. There's these two kids that live up the street from my girlfriend's place here, and I actually admire them. I've never seen them inside. They got all the Tonka trucks, little backyard playground. They're literally outside. If it's if the sun is out, they're outside, and I appreciate seeing that so much. You know, you don't see that very often. Like, I thought about this scenario often in my head and I'm going to bring it to the forefront on this show. This is a perfect segue actually for this opportunity. I've been waiting to speak on this. Kids are inside so much these days. They're like, they're, you know, they're probably better at sports than kids were a hundred years ago, you know, because obviously we're eating better. They're sleeping better. Their living conditions are better, but they got better equipment. We got better access to ice, all this stuff. They're not skating on a fucking pond in the minus 30 with cracks in the river. There's a lot of differences in the way that they've been raised, but what would happen? What would happen if a pack of 10-year-olds from 1920 all of a sudden came upon a pack from 2020? 
what the fuck would happen? What would happen? What would the interaction be like if they were like, you know, I don't know. I remember being that age and I lived in St. Andrews Heights, which I spoke a lot of last episode. There was a little ravine that we called the forest. St. Andrews Heights perched up on top of this hill. In the ravine, we called it the forest, and it led down to another neighborhood called Parkdale. And there was a group of kids down there who liked to, you know, hang out in the forest like we did. We liked to build forts and stuff. And we used to go to war with these kids. We used to just go tear down their shit and, like, fuck with them hard and, like, basically pretend that we were going to, like, start beating the wheels off them and shit and, like, throwing stuff at them because we were fucking around. Like, that's what we did. We were 10. We're dumb as shit. That's what we do. We fuck around. Like, what would the fuck arounding be with between those two groups? I mean, the 10-year-olds today are probably got cell phones in their ass. They're probably wearing backwards lids. Like, they're hype beasts probably already. Like, they're listening to weird... Sh they're probably listening to SoundCloud rappers. They're weird kids, probably. They're fucking weird. And these 1920s kids would be looking like a bunch of Peaky Blinders with the fucking straight razor cuts. Kids are probably already smoking. Like, some of these kids have already been to jail, probably. Like, these kids are hard-nosed. These kids are nuts. What happens? I, you know for a fact, like, these kids might be bigger today, but I don't know. You get in a headlock from a kid from 1920, he puts his cigarette out in your forearm, you're fucked nine times out of ten. I would pay money to see that happen. See, that's why, like, if time travel ever happened, like, you better hope it doesn't. And you better not go back to those days. People are always talking, you know, everything's 2020s on fire. Yeah, grab a time machine. Take a trip back 100 years and tell me it's fucked. Tell me it's fucked. People are shitting in buckets and throw it under your head in the fucking street because they don't have shitters yet. Like, come on. Come on now. I often think about, because my dad's a huge body. Like, I'm a big boy, but my dad towers over me. My dad's like 6'6", six, six, like, big body. And, like, I think about, what if I ran into my old man when I was my age? So I'm 26. What if I ran into 26-year-old Jimmy Harper? Could, what if we went toe-to-toe? -to -toe? What would happen? Who the hell would win that? What if you met your dad your age right now? Could you beat up your dad if you took on your dad one-on-one, -on -one, the dad the same age you are at the present time? How would that go? I don't know. A lot of you guys probably get the shit beat out of you by your dads. You know, it'd be tough. It'd be, it'd be a good thing to, you know what, time travel. Let's do it. These are the things you have to start thinking about. People are going to Mars and shit. There's going to be time travel. Maybe take a stab at your old man. See if you can take him on. That's, that's, make sure your family's tough and strong. Good bloodlines down there. See how things are going to, you know, react down the line, maybe. I don't know where that came from, but that's something to think about, folks. Time travel, maybe. It's coming. It's coming. Um, lots of hilarious titles I've been, uh, you know, po pondering on. I've been trying to do, you know, a little bit more research. You know, I think, you know, they always say the more you put into something, the better you get out of it. I was hoping to have a guest on this week. It uh, didn't work out, but I don't want to have guests on every show, you know, so many times, a lot of podcasts just only feature guests, and that's great if the guy can fucking interview, if the guy can relate to a lot of people. Like, sometimes, like, these, like, a lot of celebrities think that they can just start a podcast because they're fucking who they are, and they don't even, like, when they interview, it's always the same bullshit. How'd you get into acting? How'd you get into comedy? How'd you get into it? And then they just ask the same fucking questions. They all do, and then they all see how each other's doing the same show, and everyone just ends up creating the same fucking show. It's unbelievable. So we're going to go, we're going to just bounce it around here. I'm solo again today, but the beauty of that is it's going to be a lot easier to edit and a lot easier to have out hopefully tonight. All right. So just fucking relax for a sec. Okay. Um, this is a headline that I've like something I thought a lot about because I mean, COVID-19, the airplanes aren't flying. That's a huge industry. And um, 
you know, I, I think in the States they bailed out quite a few airlines and like obviously that really pisses you off originally because what a fucking industry, man. They just, they kind of rake you over the coals. They started making these mandatory baggage fees. Like they can just add fees. Like they, and for, flying isn't really a luxury anymore. It's almost like it's a necessity essentially. And we can say that it isn't, but it is to many people. And that's not going to probably change. I mean, obviously these airlines are taking a hit right now, big time. And, um, I mean, Air Transit, I don't think uh, from April 1st to July 22nd, they didn't have any flights. So they had nine days of a whole quarter where they um, were actually flying planes. So, like, this is, like, devastating to, uh, you know, to, to these. In, in Canada, there's only so many. It's not a monopoly. I think it's, what is it, an oligopoly? Is that what you'd call it in Canada, the airline industry? Like, there's not many fucking options. Like, Canada's already getting absolutely bent for, like, flying. Flying domestically is the biggest fucking joke in Canada. It's an absolute disgrace. When I used to live up there in North Bay, I always tell this story. One time I flew one way from Calgary, connection in Toronto, or sorry, from North Bay, connection in Toronto to Calgary. It was $750. And then I still had to get home and then book my return flight back for Christmas break. Like, it's a joke what's going on. And I didn't even realize that Air Transit, which is also based out of Montreal, as is Air Canada, was a Canadian company. Air Transit, I mean, I think that's... Uh, they're doing domestic flights right now. I'm not sure if that's something they always do, but that's probably more of like your, you know, travel down to uh, all-inclusive resort airline option. But um, they're expecting to permanently lay off at least 2,000 Canadian employees after revenues fell 99% last quarter when the travel company operated flights, as I said, just for the one week. And it's a Montreal-based company. And because of they had to, they got in hot water, as did almost all airline companies when they weren't... Uh, all these cancellations of flight due to COVID, travel restrictions. They didn't give anyone their money back. All these flight companies just gave you like, oh, you can book another flight with us kind of thing. But you know how that works with holidays. Some people do the one big trip a year, you know, and you're using air transit, but maybe next year you want to fly to Vancouver across, see, see the family or something like that. You're not going to fly air transit to do that. So great. Now I got to go to Fiji again next year. You know, it's, it, it fucked a lot of people up. And I mean, it's kind of misleading too because Air Transit's already, as we said, totally horned, but they've retained customer cash for services never rendered that has bolstered Transit's deposits by 564 million. So I'm not an accountant major. I fucking was terrible at that shit. But that's on their balance sheet, and their balance sheet ain't looking too, too sweet, I don't believe, right now. So, I mean, it's obviously really hard for them to depart with that money when things are obviously going so bad. But I mean, that's, I mean, there's class action lawsuits getting filed against them, but Canada, I think unlike these are the countries that did bail out their airline industries, like France did, Germany did, the States did, but Canada has held off uh, sector specific support for these carriers. Instead, I guess, uh, Prime Minister JT Trudeau, yeah, sorry. Um, he's rolled out financial aid available across these industries, including a wage subsidy, which I believe runs out in December 16th. Subsidy meaning they're paying part of their fucking wage through government funding. And um, they offered loans starting at $60 million for large firms. Like $60 million is a shit stain for these companies. I think Air Transit was losing $1.7 million a day that entire time when they weren't flying planes. So it's an expensive industry. And what's very interesting about this one with Air Transit is because there was a merger with Air Canada put in place, I believe, last August. All their shareholders agreed on it. And um, 
This was originally scheduled to happen in the second quarter of this year, which would have been right when the fucking COVID madness was going wild. So they've held off on it. And they said that um, they're, they're firmly committed to completing the transaction, but adds factors beyond its control related to the global coronavirus pandemic. And this delayed has tied up, which received overwhelming approval by shareholders last year. So this will merge the number one and third biggest com- uh, air carriers in the country. I believe, I'm sure WestJet would probably slide in there number two. Anything after that's, you know, not very well known probably, or doesn't even fly across the country. But that's kind of shady. I feel like, I don't know, these both these companies are, are based in Montreal. I mean, I'm not saying it's shady, but... I mean, the European Commission announced on May 25th that it will undertake an in-depth investigation that will be completed um, by October on the merger between Air Canada and Transat. And Canada's competition watchdog, which is the Competition Bureau of the government, whatever the fuck they do, the compet- what do you work? I work for the Competition Bureau. Were you laid off due to COVID-19? Absolutely not. That's probably how they talk at the Competition Bureau. I don't know why, but they're going to do a they're going to be looking into this as well because it expresses competition concerns. Obviously, I mean, if Air Transit and Air, huge airline like Air Canada, they're just going to control more of the market. Air Canada is the worst airline on earth. All they do is lose your luggage and serve you terrible biscuits. And I just, I don't know, it's tough because that's just going to make them more strong. They're going to have more power than WestJet to control. How all this fucking shit's going to go down. I mean, it's inter- I don't know how this is going to, it's, it's going to be weird. And um, it's just like the airline industry is an absolute shit show. So Na- Navigation Canada is a company that is the provider of civil air navigation services. Well, I didn't know what this was. So this is kind of, I believe, probably why we pay so much for domestic flight in Canada. So Nav Canada um, has increased fees for air traffic control services by almost 30%. So I didn't look into what Nav Canada does, but I'm assuming this is across the country. And so these airlines now have to pay 29.5% more just for their services. So this is going to, obviously, this is the article I read about this was talking about WestJet, but it's going to apply to fucking all of them across the board. So they're now going to have a, a fee that's going to be applied to all domestic travel tickets. I don't think it's just domestic. Any fee for fucking any flight coming out of Canada. So Calgary-based WestJet criticized the fees uh, on their website September 1st, saying that it will tack a 4 to $7 fee, which is a surcharge that will go on to tickets, prices, and a response, which doesn't sound like anything. But, like, the fee will amount, to, it'll depend on flight durations, it adds. But the announcement of these, like, fee increases was in May, and it just took effect last week, I believe. So, I mean, fuck me, Right? Like, what are we going to do here? What are we going to do? It's going to be expensive. And it's like, it's, I don't know, it's frustrating. It'd be interesting to see how this one goes out. I mean, when I first think about an air company asking for a bailout, um, I obviously think, fuck that. Like, let's not do it. Like, think about an industry that just can always, like, just bend the, the consumer over. But, like, I don't know, man. We don't want these, these guys can't get, you know, too hurt here because we, Flying is not a luxury anymore. It's literally, it's a necessity. And with so few options to fly in Canada as it is, I mean, we can't have these people failing. And then what, what are we going to do? Where are these, you know, where are our flights going to come from? You know, I travel a lot. A lot of us do, especially in this country. It's so big. Everyone's so spread out. Like, what are we going to do? 
So it's just going to be interesting to, you know, it's something that I'm going to definitely keep watch on. I hope I didn't bore anyone with this, but I mean, it's wild and it's happening in our country. And, you know, I don't think we, we don't really give it much mind. So I'm just, you know, addressing it a little bit here, folks. Right. All right. But enough of that. Because we are immediately going to waste no time and dip into the possibility of another very, very interesting merger. Something I like to talk a lot about because it's very, I wouldn't say controversial, but it seems to be the application making the most head waves in the news every time I fucking look at it. So TikTok is now back in the forefront because Walmart is looking to buy it. Walmart, uh, this came out about a week ago. I was going to talk about it last episode, but um, this might be a little bit further along than I am reporting it as so, but I wanted to bring this up because it is very, very interesting to me. So I haven't looked into it much, but I thought that TikTok was going to be banned mid-September in the United States because of the way that the Chinese owner of the company, ByteDance, I believe they're called, is able to track so much data from TikTok users. And obviously all that data being in the hands of a Chinese company obviously raises a little bit of international concern, especially between, you know, US and, um, you know, China. It's always a big dick pissing contest. And um, they're always watching one another. So this is, as I speak, it's September 13th, 2020. Um, I haven't heard anything more about if TikTok is actually being banned or whatnot. I mean, why it clearly isn't if Walmart's looking to buy it. But when Walmart's looking to buy it, they're going to just buy their American services for it. So as we all know, Walmart, the 58-year-old company known as a big box store, is um, obviously what the fuck would they want to do with TikTok? But uh, the Chinese version of TikTok, which I guess isn't called TikTok, it's called Douyin, D-O-U-Y-I-N, is one of the several apps in the country that has tapped into a rapidly growing number of Chinese shoppers who like to buy stuff on social media platforms. Um, it's kind of scary. So this is the difference between Douyin. I didn't, so I didn't know they called it Douyin in China. So it's very much similar to TikTok. Like it has the same little music logo, but I mean, I don't know what it says. It might even say TikTok in the Japanese, Chinese, sorry, symbols that are showed there. But Douyin has become more advanced than its global counterpart, TikTok, particularly with respect to e-commerce. So there's three, with three taps on Douyin, you can buy a product featured in a video. You can book a stay at a hotel, uh, at a hotel after watching a video you shot there. You can take virtual tours of a city's stores and restaurants. You can get coupons through those establishments and later post geotagged video reviews. And this is from Fabian Verne, the lead of head of a marketing company that works closely with Douyin's influencers. He said that some power users can make 15 to 20,000 US dollars on a shopping holiday, like, I don't know, some, any holiday they, they're just promoting stuff for. So that's fucking crazy, man. That is wild. Like that's so Walmart's obviously going to try and get their hands on on this because social commerce in China was worth 186 billion dollars last year. So that was 10 times more than the value of sales that were made in United States socially commerce world, I guess you'd call it. So the Chinese market is expected to grow 30% this year to $242 billion. So Walmart, already acknowledging the value of e-commerce when it comes to TikTok, has said that the interest in the app stems from the integrated e-commerce and advertising capabilities in other markets. So this is scary. I mean, think about how much time kids are already spending on TikTok. And then you also think about how TikTok's so well known for tracking so much data 
They're going to be pushing products down your throat, folks. I mean, it does sound pretty cool. If you shot a video, you could, you know how like we tag the location on Instagram where the photo is? Click on that and you go book right at the hotel. You, you just, you know, that sounds wild to me. It's going to influence a lot of more money spent online. So I don't know how it works. Walmart is apparently, I don't know if this is still the case. They were working with Microsoft to work on some sort of American merger for the TikTok rights to their American established, whatever the fuck you call it, networks. And um, so this is crazy. So the battleground of this decade for Gen Z is um, all about where they're going to spend their time online. So... I don't see TikTok going anywhere if there's so much that um, if there's so much fucking money going to be involved with these like from Walmart and whatnot. So I mean, you got Trump executive orders threatening to ban the app unless ByteDance sells it, which means he basically wants it in the hands of a American company. So maybe this is how they get around that. And it's, you know, it's going to be fucking interesting, folks. It's going to be very interesting because this is an app that I feel like. I've never heard of an app making the, the news like this. I mean, obviously, they're all going to when they come into the forefront. But TikTok just came out of, the, out of the absolute weeds. So hot. And now it's just making everyone dumber, I feel like. And it really is. I mean, let's not go into what the app is itself. I've already done that. But this is wild, folks. Wild shit is happening amongst us. And I don't always want to talk about wild shit. I want to talk about some fun stuff, too. Okay? So... I hope people don't mind the way I make these segues when I, when I do this by myself. Because sometimes I just fucking, you know what, I, I, I look up at the clock and I'm like, yeah, I've talked about this for a couple minutes. Maybe I'm done with it, all right? Maybe I'm just fucking on to the next, all right? So that's what I'm going to do a lot. Um, one thing I never really talk about in this show is music often. And I'm a big music guy. Um, I'm a wannabe guitarist. I'm an amateur guitarist. Terrible, honestly, if you really look at things. I mean, I've played off and on, done some lessons here and there. I'd say, like, I'm a decent campfire guitarist. You know, I can remember a couple tunes off the top of my head and, you know, play my favorite songs to, like, a group of people. But those songs include, like, six options that are essentially songs no one's probably ever heard of. So it's tough. You know, I always want to get into guitar more. I mean, I signed, there's, it's, it's crazy how it's easy to learn any instrument nowadays with YouTube and all these apps you can do. You know, I bought Fender Play, which is this thing you pay 10 bucks a month and you get all these like, you know, all these fucking lessons to songs and techniques and whatnot. And I mean, it works a lot, but I don't think anything's comparing to, um, to in-person lessons, which I mean, they're obviously more expensive. I did those last year. I recommend anyone, if you're going to do if you're going to take an instrument seriously, like you have to do in-person lessons. Like there's no, you just can't like, you, if you're going to sit there on YouTube and you're doing stuff and you don't understand what's wrong, it could sometimes just take like an instructor to literally just point and say, Hey, like your fingers in the wrong place here. Like just put it up here. And in doing that, you could save an hour of fucking around and realizing what you did wrong. So there's the convenience obviously, but I mean, music is still something that I feel like it's wild to think that back in the day, none of these options were around for learning. Like it must've been impossible to learn how to play the guitar. Like you had to really want it. You had to really fucking want it to, uh, to fucking get going there. And I didn't want to get talking about music to talk about this, but I, I wanted to talk about a very unique musician that I haven't brought to forefront on this show yet. But, and I, this is almost like a free ad for the guy. Like I've about a year ago and anyone who knows me knows that I'm obsessed with this guy. And if you know who I'm about to talk about, you just shut it right down right now. Okay. But don't, this is a, this is a, this is one of my favorite artists right now. It's a, honestly a, a story unlike I've ever heard. 
And um, I, I just want to bring a little bit more attention to him. I mean, he's getting kind of big in the southern states, it seems, and and whatnot. But he plays an underground style of music that'll never make it to the radio, which is unfortunate. Like, I like country music a lot. Used to be really into it. But, like, honestly, anything that's playing on the radio these days is trash. And I don't want to sound like that guy, like, ooh, listen to cool stuff, you know. But, like, I like my music, and I don't, I don't like anything that's really going on the radios country-wise right now. It's not country. It's just, like, shitty pop radio and I think we can all attest to that. Like, it's not that great. But there's this whole plethora of unbelievable artists who are in the country stuff right now that it's like, you consider it outlaw country, as dust as that sounds. But, like, these guys have huge followings, and they get, like, a lot of views. They sell out tours, and but they just don't make it to, like, the ACMAs and shit. And there's this fella who's even more underground than that. Like, this guy is, is independent as independent gets, in my eyes, in the music industry. But there's this fella by the name of Zach Bryan, who is uh, originally from Oklahoma, but he's only, I think he's 23. So I found him by the only time a YouTube recommended video actually struck with me and was actually a good suggestion. YouTube's great for music, not for anything else. That's how you find new music is on YouTube. I don't watch anything else on YouTube, but it's really good for that. So one day I found this guy on YouTube and it was just a bunch of videos he literally was posting from his cell phone. He just had it on its side and he was like playing songs out in the backyard and they were so fucking good. And I mean, I've found myself, I get a, like the music right now is so like, it's so manicured. It's so perfect. Like all the stuff we hear on like top 40 is, you know, it's all, it's all generated pop sounds put together in the right way. And I mean, that's great. But I, I like, there's something about that raw, like unfiltered-ness to music right now. And I, and I, I get that mostly through a, uh, someone playing an acoustic guitar, even if they're just by themselves. Like, there's nothing more raw than that. It's just, the, it's just that guy creating all this sound with himself and creating a song that you can connect with and feel something from. Like, that's always resonated with me the most. Like, I've seen some great bands, and even as I've seen them, I'm like, fuck. I almost wish sometimes that, like, it would just be him and his guitar. Like, I got so much uh, respect for people to do that. You know, I'm not saying anything against bands, but this is sometimes my favorite music. So this fellow named Zach Bryan, he's, uh, this is how I first came to fruition with finding him. It was all these videos of him on YouTube of just, you know, these unbelievable songs he was releasing that he had been writing, and they were all unbelievable, like, one after another, one after another. And he's grown a bit of a following. But the story of him that's so amazing is... He is an active member of the Navy. And so he's had opportunities to like, you know, take his uh, music on the road, play some cross country tours. I mean, he, I'm sure he's had multiple labels reach out to him and people try to get in touch with him, but he's declined them. And because his father was in the Navy, his mother was in the Navy. Um, I think, I believe his sister was in the Navy. I could be quoting that wrong, but he, his grandfather was and all that. So he's a Navy kid. And he thought that, you know, it wasn't right for him to, you know, take a different path than the one this family did. And so what this guy does is he's like a bomb tech for the Navy. Like, I think that's his title. And so he lives up in Washington State, way up there in the uh, Pacific Northwest. And then he would also, he would get stationed in Jacksonville, Florida. So he'd be back and forth between those two all the time. And he just started writing some music and getting some little bit of love on it on Twitter. You know, they were starting to get some uh, views on YouTube and then... He um, announced that he was about to release his own first album, which was called Deanne, which was titled Deanne in the memory of his past mother, who just passed, I think, not even a year before or two years before the, the album came out. It was, it was pretty recent. And all these songs on there were literally just him and his guitar. But the thing that was so amazing about it was, I won't go totally in depth to how it happened, but 
he ended up coming in contact with some friends that, you know, had had some uh, recording experience. I think it was a fellow from work or something he had. And they eventually kind of coaxed the idea of recording an album, but they had to do it themselves. So what they did was Zach Bryan and a group of his pals rented an Airbnb and they took all the mattresses of this multi-room Airbnb and they made like a, a fort in the, in the living room. And out of that fort, they put the recording equipment in there and kind of made like a little soundproof studio so that, you know, they tried to get some good sound and, and they recorded it all. And I thought it sounded absolutely amazing. The, uh, the album came out about a year ago. It's available everywhere. Deanne, it was incredible. I mean, I tried to learn like all those songs on guitar. Uh, the, the titled one, Deanne, is about his past mother. And it is honestly like, it's the, one of the saddest songs I've ever heard. Like the first time I heard it, and I truly listened to it. Like I was literally bawling my eyes out. I've said, I, I've never had that happen. I remember I told my girlfriend that. I was like, come listen to this song. When this album came out and me and her hopped in the car and did a lap around the block. Like we were both just bawling our eyes out. Like he's unbelievable, man. He's kind of dark and you know, and he kind of goes against the grain. Like I really like what he's all about and he's, he doesn't want to be famous. He's just doing his own thing. But what made me want to talk about him today was he's doing things that just other artists aren't doing. So he had the album Deanne come out. Since then, he's also had another one called Elizabeth, which came out in May, which is also very good. But this one, you know, he started bringing in some more instruments. Some of his friends were playing with him. And it's a different sound. But he's, you know, he just released a tutorial today on YouTube of how to play every single song on the Deanne album. And he sits there, and it's only half an hour long. His songs aren't very hard on the guitar, but he's a very good singer, and he puts it together very well, so it sounds unreal. But if you're no, not very good at guitar and you want to learn some great campfire songs, get on there and try out the Deanne tutorial. I literally just found out about it like 10 minutes before I was about to record this show. So, I mean, shout out to this guy, man. He's literally unbelievable. He's done a couple live shows down in Oklahoma in front of very small crowds. Like you can look up the videos of him singing at bars. Every single person that's there knows every word and sings it and screams at him. I've seen nothing like it. I mean, this is very unpopular category of music, but to a lot of people I've shown him to, regardless of your taste and genre, this is just good music. It's a great story. Um, and he had a documentary come out about the, uh, the making of his latest album called Hope on YouTube. And honestly, I think everyone should watch it. I mean... He might be the, one of the coolest kids our age right now. He's, uh, you know, in his early 20s for the, his outlook on life. And, I mean, his perspective is so backwards of everything that we're, is shoved in our face on social media and, on, and what we think the world should be. It's, it's honestly just refreshing. And I, he's one of my favorite artists right now, but he just came out with that. So it made me want to give him a fucking huge shout out. He's literally the man. He's, uh, he'll never be famous, unfortunately, but I got to give a shout out to a guy like him. Like I'm a big Tyler Childers fan. I went and saw him when I was down in Alabama. I saw him in Sturgill Simpson. I went to a concert by myself when I was playing hockey down in Alabama right before all this COVID madness hit. And honestly, I, I recommend anyone to do that. If there's ever an event to do alone, go to a concert. I mean, that's something you can really get into the music and you're not worried about, you know, when your friends need to go for beer or what, whatnot, or if they're having a good time, you just get right into the tunes. Like, there's a lot of guys right now, not like, you know, some guys a little more well-established than uh, Zach Bryan, but like, I got to give a tip of the cap to guys like Sturgill Simpson, Tyler Childers. I mean, those are guys I'm loving right now. And I mean, Jason Isbell is always a classic too. I don't want to keep rambling on about my music taste, but I mean, I think eventually I want to have some more musical content on this show. I have a couple people I know who are playing in bands right now, and I'd love to reach out and just 
maybe get a little bit of a talk about someone. What's, what's a modern day of a modern day, day of musician in 2020 like? That's fucking interesting to me. I mean, I'm always watching those documentaries on music. Why can't I create one through this podcast? I don't fucking know. All right? Doesn't make any sense. Um, this episode is kind of all over the place. You know, I've had a good time though, for sure. It's, uh, it's an interesting one today because I, again, I left the recording to Sunday. And my girlfriend and I had planned to go to Grand Bend today, which is about 40 minutes from here, a lovely beach town located on Lake Huron, Ontario. But uh, yeah, she's probably fully ready and she's probably sitting upstairs waiting for me to go. I said I'd have this done hours ago and here I am still cutting around. But I mean, I'm having fun doing this, folks. Um, I'm getting a, a, a really good episode coming. I, I've been meaning to do a preview for it, but I don't want to do it until I know the exact certainty of the date in which it will come out. But I also have another good uh, hockey buddy who will be on in the next couple of weeks. He's going to tell some great stories about scrap. And he fought a lot in the Western League, fought a lot in the East Coast. Um, went over to Europe, too, and fought some big dudes over there. And he's not a very big fella, but he lived to tell the tale. And, um, yeah, it's been interesting. You know, this show, love getting off the ground. I've had tons of people reach out to me about coming on for interviews. And, and I want that. But, you know, we've got to make sure that there's you know, going to be something there for the viewer. I don't want you to come on and tell, you know, how are you doing today? Tell us how you got to be as mediocre as you are today. And we can fucking remember how not to do it, okay? Maybe this will have a have-not show and we'll have you on. That's what I'm worried it's going to fucking turn into sometimes, folks, okay? Okay? There will be episodes every week. The fall walks on hard here. I forgot to even mention that I just got a new job. I got a new job, folks. I got a new job as a warehouse I don't know what you call it. I work in a warehouse at a liquidation store located in Wellesley, Ontario. And what I do to this liquidation store that gets returns from, you know, big box retailers is I sit in the back and I just assemble whatever the hell comes out in the line. I sit back there. I'm putting together basketball nets. I'm putting together kids' toys, benches, tables, chairs, pressure washers, ceiling fans, anything under the sun. I mean, I never thought that I'd do a double major in five years of university. He's got to sign up and get a warehouse job at a university. But here the fuck we am. I'm really hoping hockey can come back in a couple months so I can just grind this shit out and get out of here. But I got to look, you know, I got to get some work maybe. Hopefully I'm not going to get early retirement from the game of hockey from this COVID-19 madness. But no, I am working now. Don't have to uh, do cash jobs and rip off the government. Ha <laughs> joking. Who would do that? Um, but yeah, so I'm working mad now. I'm going to keep you updated on how that's going to go. I meant to talk about that a little bit earlier, but, um, you know, I'm going to have more to talk about here, folks. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, let me, you know, reach out again. How, what do you think about what's going on here? I really want to uh, keep this thing going. And I, I just, you know, it's only episode nine, folks. We're young. We're young. And how many, is there many new shows out right now? I don't feel like there are. So it's my time to just break fucking through. Break the fuck through, baby, and get this thing going. Um, last thing I will speak on though, a last little piece of housekeeping, we'll call it, is I will be making my final, my finale appearance on the Nipissing Lakers podcast, The Lake Show, which I co-founded with my good friend Matthew Samard, who will soon be a guest on this show as well. But uh, we will be um, basically saying our goodbyes. I don't know if anyone who listened to this show, I'm sure some of you uh, did listen to that show as well. But for those of you who don't know, did that show for two years before this one. We had 31 episodes, a bunch of different guests. It was really fun. But uh, we don't go to university anymore. I, I'm, Salty might be finishing up some master stuff, but I am done. He's done with the show. We're passing it on to a couple new folks, the new hosts who I met. 
not met, but uh, been talking to them online, getting ready for this episode. So that will be recorded in the next coming days and that will be released and that will be my finale. And then the two new fellas, they are fellas, so I gave it away, two fellas. Um, they will be uh, they will be taking on the show and you know, hopefully uh, continuing on with its long-lasting legacy and its mass following that is cult-like, if you will. So I wish them luck before we introduce them, but um, it's a commitment, boys, and I hope they can retain to it. But uh, I think it's going to be in good hands, and I'm very happy to see that the show that we founded is not going to die. That was a worry. We didn't want it to die, but we're not going to let it. So we're going to introduce you to the new fellows before we give them the reins and let them go on their way. And then after that, folks, it's just back to business as usual on the project, which will be out every week, which will change your fucking life, which will change who you are as a person. Folks, thank you for listening. It's the project. We deem the project. Signing off. It's Otzi. Bye.